Hey, movie fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Uncharted Media Podcast. This is episode 79, a part two, if you will, of remakes that we would like to see someday. Uh, we covered this at one point, but we just did animated movies that we want in live action form. This time we're just going to do any remakes that we want across the board. And also, Josh was not, not there last time. So <laughs> we're going to have Josh for this one, I promise. How are you doing, Josh? I'm uh, I'm hanging in there, man. I've, I'm starting to find ways to, to keep myself busy that aren't in front of a screen. Um, so that's positive. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you saw. I, I I need to post it somewhere. But um, my dad had been collecting like plastic bottles for a bit for like a few weeks, and he filled them up with, up with water. And uh, because he had just finished sharpening the katana that he had, and we just oh yeah, I saw that video. Yeah, I started chopping up some some plastic bottles. It was fun. He's got to work like on his swing. He does, but I mean, at the same time, like we weren't it, we're really going sneak more just the the slice. Um, to kick us off, you've been watching anything good? Not really lately. I uh, because I've been trying to fill my time with that with uh, something not being in front of a screen. I haven't really watched anything new lately um so you I, haven't seen dad, 1917 yet you slacker i know i did show my dad the mandalorian yay my dad had never seen it yeah they both came out in no well i was about to say they both came out in november but i'm thinking of knives out um yeah show them 1917 dang it <laughs> i'm getting to it leave me alone there's some weird connectivity issues going from my phone to casting it to the TV. So I'm trying to figure, figure them out. That's weird. Um, yeah. It never if nothing had else, you should be able, it's is, is it a smart TV? Yeah. That's what's weird. Is you should, you should be able having to just issues. use the, um, voodoo app. Uh, yeah. I'd have to look at your, that's true. <laughs> your stuff again. That's true. Um, so we'll see. Anything besides the Mandalorian that you've been watching? Not really. Uh, like like I said, I've been trying to. Oh, um, oh, what? How to forget? I think Focus Focus Features did a uh, Harriet Tubman movie, and we watched that this past weekend. It was it was very good. This is the one just called Harriet. Yes. Okay. And yeah. like. I grew up watching like plays and stuff of, of Harriet Tubman. So like kind of knew everything that w what was going to be happening and stuff. But I mean, I, it was very well acted and I wouldn't be surprised if there's a lot of uh, up and comers acting wise from this film that we'll be seeing shortly. Huh? Nice. I actually have a couple. Uh, I've been watching a lot of stuff lately. Um, and I'm going to have a lot more time on my hands to watch stuff now. Uh but I got a couple that I would really recommend to people. Uh, there's a documentary that I watched on Hulu that I didn't even know was there. They don't advertise it very well. Uh, one called Batman and Bill um, about this guy and his lifelong quest to get Bill Finger attached to the creator credit for Batman. Because for like decades upon decades, it, decades it said Batman created by Bob Kane. When in reality, Bob Kane did... 10% of the work of Batman and Bill Finger did like 90% of the work. So it's this fascinating documentary about how this guy basically had to track down the only relatives of Bill Finger that no one knew existed um, or were even related to him. And it all leads up to Batman versus 
versus Superman, which was the first movie to ever credit Bill Finger as Batman created by Bob Kane with Bill Finger. Uh, so at least something good came out of Batman versus Superman. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Outside of Martha. Uh, but thankfully, I've seen some actual movies. Uh, I've seen some, uh, quite a few good horror movies. Um, I finally got around to seeing Mike Flanagan's first ever movie, Absentia, earlier today. Um, it's clearly his first film. <laughs> fair, fair enough. I love Mike Flanagan, but did you ever see his uh, movie Before I Wake? No. About uh, the parents who lost yeah, their kid. Yeah, I did. I actually, I actually really enjoyed it. It's more akin to that. It's not very scary. It's more about uh, this woman, her husband. She's just been announced about to pronounce him dead because he's been missing for seven years. And so like the day after she establishes that he mysteriously comes back and it's kind of has the early uh, fingerprints are there for before I wake. Mm -hmm. Um, I almost didn't believe that it was Mike Flanagan just because it was so different. It was, it's not bad. It's very well made, but it's clearly like a early Version kind of like Christopher Nolan's following of you could see what they will become, kind of. Yeah. Uh, however, that's not the standout that I've seen recently that I need to recommend to you a thousand times over. Uh, Josh, have you ever heard of a movie that came out last year called Haunt? That sounds familiar. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, this movie. So on paper, it's pretty generic of these group of friends go to an extreme haunted house but the haunts are real um but here's the selling point it's directed by the guys who wrote a quiet place okay and it is the single most unnerving and edge of my seat white knuckle i've been in a horror movie in literally years that's fair and this is the biggest ringing endorsement I can give to any horror movie. This is, it has been years, and I can remember, and you know the last horror movie that I said this about. It's the only horror movie that I've seen in a long time that I actually had to watch Happy Things afterwards and actually kept me up. Yeah. Horror movies, I typically like to enjoy them. This one actually stuck in my crawl for a little bit. And when it was over, I could actually like exhale and breathe because it was so tense and nerve wracking. But this one was just like, oh, that one's sticking with me for a little bit. Okay. Um, fail army. Here we go. <laughs> I know the feeling. Um, like there's the people in the haunted house with their pretty generic masks and whatnot. But th when you think you know the direction it's going to go, doesn't that's good though the, the, very few movies these days are able to keep you on your toes yes uh and for how low budget is they actually really managed some good scares but also some really good gore too nice there's something that i'm not going to tell you what happens but there's something that happens with a hammer and teeth um i'm good i'm good um sea nope. haunt man it's so good <laughs> also, I, I finally saw the uh, Benicio Del Toro Wolfman And? I don't get all the hate But also, when I got to the ending I understand all the hate Yeah Of like, it's 
when I'm watching nine, about 80% of the movie, I genuinely didn't get why people crapped on it for so much. And then we get to the final, like, last 20 to 30 minutes of the movie, and it's like, oh, yep, here's why. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, it, no movie's perfect, especially a Del Toro movie. But it, the problem is, they're just like, well, the main wolf man... We spent so much time with him as the main character. We can't actually have him end up being the bad guy. So we kind of have an incredible Hulk abomination situation. Mm, okay. I'm like, no, no, no. It was better when there was only one wolf, man. Okay, that's fair. But before we get into our news, yes. Incredible Hulk is a perfect segue for me, actually. Okay. We may or may not... So this is a big rumor. Take it with a grain of salt. This is a very, very late-breaking news, like dropped about 30 minutes to 45 minutes ago. And again, take this with a huge grain of salt. Okay. Well, we may be in quarantine right now, but it seems like Marvel Studios may still be having virtual discussions with certain actors who provide us with some good news. Okay. No, I haven't heard this, so I don't know what you're about to say. (laughs) For those that don't know, Some Good News is a YouTube channel that was started to promote positive news and energy while this whole COVID-19 thing is happening. And it was started by one John Krasinski. Yes. Okay, I think I know because I happened to watch it this morning. Yes. So, rumors that are circulating as of about an hour of recording this are that Mr. K and Marvel may have some be in discussions for a future project. Uh-huh. Cause he does so the line that he says in the in the yep, video in this week's episode. Yes. He somebody he's like addressing the fan art and he's kind of like jokingly say how say talking about how creepy it is that people And this is the closest I'll ever art. become to being a superhero. Yep, and then he kind of like dead at the, the camera. camera. This look, oh man! <laughs> but yes, oh. as soon as I saw that, I was like, "Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh!" And I saw in the comments, some the top comment was Michael Scott. It's happening, everyone! It's happening. <laughs> <laughs> yep, because for it feels like years now, the fan speculation and hope was that he would be Mister Fantastic, and his real life wife Emily Blunt would be Mrs. Fantastic in a Fantastic Four movie. Um, Which I would love. I would. I still hold out hope that that's that that's gonna happen because ooh, at, I think where there's smoke, there's fire. Again, take this with a big old grain of salt because it's a rumor right now. Yeah. But ooh, John, don't you tease us? Which ironically, this isn't the best John Krasinski news that we're gonna have this week, but we'll get to that later in our news because boy do we have a lot of news this week yes let's get going man you ready to get into it let's dive in because unfortunately not all of it is good news oh i mean depending on how you look at it this might be good news uh (laughs) no because even though we don't like his role in we don't really like his overall performance the situation itself is not one that's worth yeah. highlighting, but we have to. Um, the For those that don't know, Ezra Miller is the current 
DC Flash. He was in Justice League. He was in a really quick cameo in both Batman v Superman and the CW Flash crossover, big crossovers episode. Well, there was an incident. Um, I think he's either over the weekend or um, sometime last week that will have big, I believe, big ramifications for Ezra Miller as a Flash. So this viral video surfaced of Ezra Miller at a bar in Norway, not Norway, uh, some country overseas uh, coming out of a bar, which why he wasn't quarantined to begin with when basically the whole world is in quarantine, that's a whole other issue, but we have bigger fish to fry with this situation. Uh, Viral video surfaced of... Him assaulting a female fan and more or less choke slamming her to the ground. He grabs her by the throat and he throws her to the ground. Um, now, at first, I thought this video was fake because it almost looked like she's laughing and he's laughing. But then a report from Variety came out that the um, owner or the manager of the bar was there and was actually could confirm yes, he actually assaulted this woman and he had. To be escorted from the bar. Um, uh, there's no easy way to look at this. Um, if you were Warner Brothers, you're in a really tough spot because you've positioned him in not one but two of your major franchises with Flash and also Fantastic Beasts. Um, yeah. Even if they do an investigation and it find and they find out this is all just a hoax or whatever. You really have to cut your losses. And I think we may not, we might not even get a flash movie period at this point. Well, I mean, given, given the fact that so much production has just halted, um, I wouldn't be surprised if it's at the very least, uh, just postponed for, for a big chunk of time. Um, but, yeah, I'd agree. I mean, unless barring that this it surfaces that this is some kind of hoax or just some crazy you know misunderstanding or what have you, um, I don't know, dude. I don't know I, I, because basically one of the things that caused um, Ben Affleck Batman the Batman role was was his uh, his his alcoholism that he was dealing with. Well. Warner Brothers didn't remove him from that. He removed himself, which props to Ben for realizing that he had a problem. Yes, I agree. So, but, you know, the weird thing for me, anyway, is from what I know of Ezra, he's not that kind of person. Well, from reports that I've heard, he's not uh, the physical type, but I have heard some reports of him being difficult to work with. Um, Now... To start a beef war, apparently, uh, some people apparently on Twitter were not that surprised, including the original writers of the Flash movie that were fired by Ezra Miller due to creative differences. And when this video surfaced, all they did was tweet out creative differences. Wow. So they definitely were throwing some shade at Ezra Miller's direction. Interesting. Okay. Because Ezra Miller didn't like their story pitch, and so he was the one that 
told Warner Brothers, hey, I'd much rather work with um, Grant Morrison and he and I will write a Flash script, which I don't care what actor you are. You don't have the authority to replace writers. Your job is to be an actor. Yeah, that's You can not... have story suggestions, but you can't work an entire, rework an entire script because it doesn't fit what you want. Well, I'd see in... That's I not your disagree. job as an actor. You know, I would disagree on the, on the stance of, like, say somebody like, I don't know, Robert De Niro or, you know, Al, you know so these a top-tier actor. Ezra's not there. He doesn't have that kind of clout to be able to pull that. Yeah, and more, more or less get writers fired. Um, yeah, which doesn't make I sense. I have heard reports that he's difficult to work with. But if you're Warner Brothers, even if he's innocent, which I'm sure they'll do a, a thorough investigation – just the optics of this, because you got to think, he's going to be the face of your franchises, and everywhere he goes, people will ask him about this. And yeah. just the fact that he's clearly a liability, if this happens, everyone's going to look at him differently now of like, well, is he going to snap again? Is he going to is he gonna keep being the bad boy? That's why mm -hmm. I always and puzzled by the fact that we may be done with Henry Cavill as Superman because he was a pitch-perfect role model for PR from a PR standpoint for Warner Brothers of did everything that was asked of him, smile on his face, completely professional, you never heard any issue of him. Ezra, there's been various reports over time. Um, yeah. But they're, they're still high on him. But the, also the reports that I'm hearing is... The reason why all the other DC movies got scrapped, but Flash stayed, like why they scrapped like the Green Lantern movie or the Cyborg movie, but why they're keeping Flash is because they think, okay, we can use the Flash to kind of reset everything to soft reboot. If we don't have Ezra Miller, I see them not recasting, but dropping the movie wholesale and starting over. Yeah. Which I can totally see, which is just unfortunate that, Yet again, DC can't seem to get a foothold to get going, even though they they really they've been building some steam. Which I don't think it's their fault this time. Yeah, which is again unfortunate. And it, and I know we actually haven't talked about it a lot on the show, but this I highly doubt that Flash will be the only DC character that we won't see again. Um, Amber Heard's Mara, I a hundred percent guarantee you, we have ne we will never see her again. Uh, yeah, at least at least even if she Amber doesn't Heard's go to jail, Amber Heard's never coming back. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Which I'm very down with. Um her performance as Mara alone was bland and forgettable. But, you know, let's uh, I'm okay with getting somebody else in that role that can actually like really bring it. Yeah, it's whenever you have a big franchise, you need to think about who is the best for the brand of this person, as much as I hate to say it, WWE, they're smart to make Roman Reigns the face of the company because he doesn't get, well, minus the one drug um, suspension, which that's, that's a whole other issue. He's been a good face of the company mm -hmm. for public representation. You always want that. And Ezra, this is not a good look, not just for Ezra, but it makes Warner Brothers look bad. It makes DC look bad. Mm -hmm. it, you got to take that into account. I think, yeah, I'm afraid. And I, I, I hope DC doesn't do this. I, 
my worry though is that they'll be like, okay, everyone's in quarantine. By the time we get out of this and actually start filming Flash, people will have forgotten about this. No, the internet's got long memories. I, I hope that that's not the route that they go, and they just hope everyone forgets about this. Yeah, because n- no, we can't have a person that assaults women as our Flash. Well, and because he, here's the thing: because when um oh when Christian Bale had that whole outburst on a sound guy, apparently, I mean, yes, it later on it came came out that it was somewhat justified, but even yeah, then, he got roasted for that though. He did, but on the same token, everyone was like, "Oh yeah," but he's like, he's he's Christian Bale, like he's top tier acting quality the guy can act out of a paper bag so like eh, ezra miller just isn't that and i don't but even mm, then i don't care that it's ezra miller like we've made no qualms about the fact that we hate ezra miller's flesh i'm sorry but even if it was henry cavill superman that was in this situation one that's hard to believe but two even if it was i would say good riddance to him too fair enough because no that type of behavior is never okay I don't I care agree. if it's a man or a woman. You don't assault somebody just because they ridiculed you. It's just not, yeah. It, there's so much that's not okay about the situation. And the fact so that nobody at Warner Brothers or Ezra Miller's camp has come out and either said, oh, yep, this is a hoax, or like tried to defuse the situation or apologize, I, it's not a good look around. Yeah, it's not. So, I mean... <laughs> So then let, let me ask you this. Who would you bring in as the replacement? If we're keeping the movie? Yes. Okay. Here's the tough part. And it's frustrating because my top pick already exists in the DC universe. Oh? I In a perfect world, Chris Pine is my Flash. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, like yeah. people want him as Hal Jordan. I can, I see him more as Barry. I can see that as well. Um, I want Grant to stay away from it from live action. I, he just doesn't do it for me. Um, and I've, I've yelled and screamed this to Heather before, and she's in the same boat as me. It's such a weird nitpick, but when we get Flash, can he please be blonde if it's going to be Barry? It's it's almost about the same thing as my weird nitpick with Wolverine. Like I shouldn't, I feel like I shouldn't have to say that he sh- he needs to be like short or average height. He shouldn't be you know six foot tall. But I feel like that's in, that to me is an important thing of the character. Yeah, I Chris Pine's up there. I would like Chris Pine as Flash. Um, someone suggested him like. I hate that I like this idea, uh, but Andrew Garfield. Yes. He, what, I mean, dude, he's got, oh, yes. I would love that. Are you kidding me? Because his physique actually matches Flash like spot on, like in shape, it but does. still slender because Flash should not be bulky or jacked. He's toned. Yes. I also think... Um, I think his his natural charisma and his natural humor would come out a lot easier and it would come across better as Flash as opposed to being Spider-Man. Yes, because Flash is a good-looking dude, not Peter who's supposed to be average-looking. Yes, and which is something another weird complaint about 
Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man. Um, I, I do. I, I like that a lot. Actually, I like that way more than I feel like I should. It's because you just like Andrew Garfield. Not you too, but. Well, but here's the thing is he's done a lot of stuff since then. And his acting has become so much better. He's kind of like Robert Pattinson post Twilight of they both had major franchises and had falling outs from them, but kind of dug down deep and did a lot of quiet indie stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, even what was that film, that war film he did? The other. Hacksaw uh, Ridge? Yes. He's great in that movie. Oh, yeah. Um, so either Chris Pine or Andrew Garfield, but I, yeah, I think this is the end of Ezra Miller and rightly so. Cause if this is true, screw you, Ezra Miller, you don't deserve to headline any franchises anytime soon. Yes. And let alone that the, his role in the Fantastic Beast franchise is weird. And now it's after the second one, a huge piece, but not unrecastable piece yes if if we've learned anything especially with all the uh the stories i've been recent reading recently about war machine uh, and all the the whole recasting process of that everyone is replaceable well even harry potter's familiar with recastings Un- well that was a much more unfortunate situation with yes. um richard harris and michael gambin but harry potter knows recastings yeah like it's it, it's it's not hard to do yeah. Well, that's the last of the really tough, serious news. Everything's a little bit more regularly scheduled programming. And our next news topic, I'm hard-pressed to think of a news topic that I have been more excited about than this one. Because when I read this headline um, a few days ago, I genuinely squealed with excitement for <laughs> at least 10 to 30 seconds. Yeah, I got Loudly. I got a I got a text message from you in all caps. <laughs> Which that's that's so you know it's serious, is it's in all caps. Yep. So like the John Krasinski talking with Marvel, take this with a grain of salt, but this has a little bit more basis to it than the Marvel rumors. The rumors right now is that John Krasinski is rumored to be producing and directing a universal monster movie. Let's go. Oh my gosh. Yes. Just a thousand times. Yes. Oh, dude. I mean, okay. So uh, I know we talked about it just a little bit uh, off mic, but what, what monster would you give him? I, I had an unconventional pick because everyone's just like, uh, the rumor right now is that it's something in the world of um, Dracula. So I had two options, neither of which are the most conventional, but I don't care. Van Helsing is one, yeah. but the one that I really am more attached to, the Brides of Dracula. I could, oof. Because we need something, we need a Brides of Dracula that's not super cringy. Uh, and I'm, I'm coming off the... Um, Halloween Horror Nights at Universal Studios had a classic Universal Monsters house. And one of the big standouts was the Brides of Dracula. Uh, and that's something I don't typically think of. But the way that they're represented in that house, I'm like, okay, I need you in a movie like yesterday. And <laughs> if we've gotten anything from John Krasinski as a director it's so far, it's character work, but also yes. tension. Mm-hmm. 
So I don't care what franchise he takes over with. Universal Monsters and John Krasinski, that is like a triple-decker extravaganza right there. Yes. I think the the big thing for me is I I don't want Van Helsing, and not because I don't trust John with it. I think if you're going to keep doing this Universal Monster theme here, that's fine. We need at least two or three more movies before we need somebody to fight these things. Yeah, the rumors that I've heard is that he's produ- he's helping to produce or like oversee the Bride of Frankenstein movie, and then he'll oh, be yeah. doing his own movie. Okay, I'm okay with that. Which, let's be honest, Bride of Frankenstein is actually better than Frankenstein, but yes, that's like the diehard old school, um, old school black and white monsters. Um, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. For our main discussion, I have quite a few of those classic Universal monsters that come up on my list. Um, Because, yeah, we had, I think it was earlier today that I texted you saying, how great would it be if the guy that did the lighthouse and the witch did the wolfman? Yes. Yes. Okay, uh, please tell them about this because I really liked your pitch. So, as much as the wolfman with Benicio Del Toro fell apart in the second half, what I love, like love, 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 and will defend to the death of why it's actually good for the first half of it is it really felt like an old school 1960s or 70s uh, classic Hammer Productions film of like this very gothic and London atmosphere. Uh, the performances were pretty good at, up until that point. And it was really like a silent slasher of like, you would, didn't really see the um, Wolfman a lot, but when you, when you did, it was really violent and gory. And I just thought off the top of my head, I'm like, this kind of feels like I could see the guy that did the witch doing just perfect with this material because all of his movies that I've seen so far with the witch and the lighthouse are period pieces. And he does period pieces Mm -hmm. really, really well of like colonial America or whenever the heck the lighthouse is set. So something in that old fashioned London, but instead of being a straightforward slasher, it's a more mystery spin like the witch was of Mm -hmm. you have these deaths, like violent murders that kind of look like they were done by an animal or a wolf, but people aren't so sure if it's a wolf or someone trying to stir up black magic insanity and superstition and killing them themselves, making it look like it's a bear attack. And we don't know it until the end of the movie, if it's a human or a wolf or both. Which is, that brings in a lot of different elements. I mean, it basically it basically be a a horror hybrid of the first Sherlock Holmes movie with uh, Robert Downey Jr. and the Hercules movie with uh, Dwayne Johnson because there's a lot of stuff in that in that movie where they're like, well, I mean, yeah, there was a Hydra, but it was just a bunch of guys in snake masks, kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, and just Robert Eggers, I think, would be perfect for that. But going back to John Krasinski. A lot of his stuff I could see working really, really well with almost any Universal Monsters of, like, the tension could Mm. be a lot of different things. The creature designs for A Quiet Place could also lend themselves to Creature from the Black Lagoon. Um, Yes. He wants to do something with vampires, Bride of Dracula or Van Helsing, maybe, because we've had—we already are getting a Dracula movie. Um, 
Oh, just that's a match made in heaven to me. John Krasinski, one of my favorite up-and-coming directors because I mm-hmm. loved A Quiet Place and I can't wait to see A Quiet Place 2. Mixed with one of my favorite horror franchises with the classic Universal Monsters. Just, oh my gosh, that just sounds perfect. Yeah, I would. I couldn't agree more. Um, so, Universal Monsters are typically movies about cursed creatures. This next project is legitimately cursed. Indiana Jones 5. Yeah. So, I... This is one of those times that I'm just going to be like, yep, I was right, I was right, I was right. Uh, I remember the last time this movie got delayed, because it's been delayed a couple times, I said, the next time this movie gets delayed, mark my words, it's going to be a reboot. So, I'm sticking with that. I feel like Indiana Jones is going to get rebooted at this point, because Indiana Jones 5, through no fault of its own this time, has been delayed... Yet again, this is probably the most cursed movie, except for maybe the Brendan Fraser Mummy movie. Um, or Uncharted. Oh, yeah. Well, again, that started filming. But yeah. But Indiana Jones 5 has was supposed to come out last year, I think, or two years ago. I'm trying yeah. to remember. Um, but they haven't even started rolling cameras. At this point... Reboot the stupid thing. By the time this movie actually comes out, Harrison Ford will be... 80. That is like 12 years older than Sean Connery was in The Last Crusade. Yeah, and to be fair, I don't know if Harrison would even want to come back. There's money involved, I'm sure. Well, but especially after um, Crystal Skull. Just bring back Shia. (laughs) Dude, (laughs) I'm not against it. (laughs) We want... Nowadays, Shia. We don't want 2008 Shia, though. Exactly, but that, that to me, that would be great. Maybe do, maybe bring in. So, okay, fine. Reboot, or just do it in a, a reboot in a pre, like a, uh, like a post. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it, but like, okay, let's pick up with Shia's character. But again, it's today's Shia, and. We and maybe Indy isn't around anymore, and so he feels the need to t- to take the reins. Because if if you spin it right, dude, I am so down for Shy to be our Indy. We're saying that because we're Shy fans, but we got to also take that aside and realize a lot of people hated Shy in that movie and hated the Mutt character. Um, Which I don't blame them completely. I don't blame him at all for that movie. I blame him for being an idiot and breaking his hand on set and almost ruining yep. the production of that. Um, yep. But I don't think it was, he was the issue. I think it was how the character was portrayed, like written to be obnoxious. Yeah. Which is, again, if you bring him back for a sequel, you can rewrite him. Okay. I think at this point, though, reboot. More than anything, we even we've yes. kind of already had that when they had that young Indiana Jones TV series that was pretty good. Um, maybe just set it to a younger actor and set it before Raider. Well, I was about to say we set it before Raiders, but technically Temple of Doom for some reason is the first chronologically. Set it before Temple of Doom. That's, yeah, dude, make it a young indie. I'm fine with that. If you um, had to, who would you cast as a young indie? Um. I don't want Pratt. I don't want Holland. As much as I love oh. Pratt, I would see just Pratt when I see him. Exactly. He's just too... He's like Ryan. I love Ryan Reynolds, 
but he's he kind of he his personality and charisma he's Van is Wilder too strong. and everything. Yeah, it, it, it's too strong. Um, jeez, ah, if we're going younger, mm, that's tough, dude. Um, I got one, but yeah. So maybe it's just because he's still on my mind. But I'm gonna go with an actor that is already familiar with playing a younger version of a well-regarded character that everyone thought could not be recasted with Captain Kirk. Chris Pine is Indiana Jones. Okay, but I guess it kind of depends on how young you want to go. Exactly. But the thing is, I would do the Chris Pine approach with Star Trek for Indiana Jones of don't try and be Harrison Ford, try to be Indy. Because what okay. I like about Chris Pine's Kirk is the Kirk essence is there, but at no point does he resort to being a Shatner impersonator. Fair enough. Which is, yeah, okay, okay. I'm, I'm down, I'm down. Um, again, it depends on how young you want to make them. Um, if we're going to go younger? Jeez, dude. I don't, I don't know. I'm, I, Robert I'm struggling. No, no, he's, mm, he's I would, too wiry. Yeah, he's too, he's too wiry for that. It's, uh, geez, dude, I'm, I'm struggling. I, I can see a lot of people. I just can't place names. Um, Ooh. Ah, uh, no, he's too handsome. I was going to say Darcy Montgomery. Baker Montgomery? Baker, whatever. I feel like Darcy Montgomery is a Pride and Prejudice character. Yeah, that's what it sounds But Daker, Daker Montgomery would might be a... Uh, but, Zac Efron? Yeah, but like, my, I mean, he can act. Don't get me wrong. I just, yeah. I feel like... And don't don't take this wrong, Harrison, but I feel like he's too attractive to play Indy. Um, Harrison Ford is a beautiful man. He is, but I think like, you underestimate how much of a heartthrob Indy is. <laughs> like, really there's a certain I generation just... that, <laughs> yeah. I mean, okay, fine. Let's go with him then. I don't know. <laughs> I, it's just a matter of I don't think this movie's ever happening. Disney should just cut their losses and make it a TV series on Disney Plus. I mean, at this point. Like Young Indiana Jones. Why isn't Young Indiana Jones on Disney Plus? Maybe that's a Don't licensing thing. It's got to be a licensing thing. There's no, Indiana Jones no is on way. Netflix for now as Disney Plus breathes down Netflix's neck heavily. <laughs> yeah. That's a nice collection you got there. It's a shame <laughs> if that license expired. Which is going to happen very soon. We all Which, know it. My fingers are crossed that once it goes over to Disney Plus, we get a 4K remaster of them. Oof. And then I can finally watch all of them all together. Well, the first three. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of Disney Plus, good segue. We're on a roll today. We yeah, have yeah. A, another live action remake, except this is the, I was about to say the first one coming to Disney Plus, but I forgot there was that Lady in the Tramp movie that everyone's Which, already forgotten about. Um, yeah, I never watched it, so. Me neither. I had no interest. Um, but apparently we're getting another live action Disney movie this time 
with their version of Robin Hood that they did, I believe, in the mid-60s with the mm-hmm. fox and the bear. So that that was going to be my big question was like, are they doing that version? Yes. Or are they just remaking a Robin Hood? Because we did we did that with Russell Crowe, and by no fault of his, Russell Crowe's, it was not good. Yeah, uh, I almost put Robin Hood on our discussion later, but I was like, we keep getting those every couple of years, and they're all bad, which makes me mad. Yeah, because um, I love yeah. Robin Hood, which I will die on this hill, and I don't care. I'm super excited for this, <laughs> dude. If it if they go full on, oh, I am so down. Because everyone's just like, oh, I roll. It's another live action Disney remake, and I'm just sitting in the back going, this is one of the few that I actually asked for. Because <laughs> this is, I grew up reading Robin Hood all the time, so I watched this movie endlessly, and I went back and watched a couple scenes of it uh, on Disney Plus. It is a lot funnier, more sarcastic than I remember. There's a scene. Oh, dear. There's that classic, like, um, Robin Hood and Little John running through the forest. After that forward. scene, um, they hide up in a tree to escape um, Little John's men. And, oh, uh, was it? Not Little John. Uh, the Sheriff of Nottingham. There we go. They uh, go. hide up in a tree, and Little John's like, one of these days, the Sheriff's going to catch us and make us hang. And Robin... Yeah. Being a total jerk just goes, they don't have a rope big enough to hang you, little John. <laughs> That's like, the thing I think I loved about that film was I think for me in the first the really and since since then, it felt like Robin and Little John were her best friends. Yeah, that's a relationship that I feel like kind of gets underplayed a lot in the movies. Um mm-hmm. and I don't think I realized as a kid how much they just basically copy and pasted Baloo from Jungle Book. Oh, dude, yeah, that's that's Baloo. That's, yeah. <laughs> they don't even think, try and hide it. Like, the animation's the same. Yes. Um, the color's just a little bit different. But I loved the Robin Hood movie. And if it means we get something closer to the traditional Robin Hood, I'm all for it because I've been really frustrated the past few Robin Hood outings. Uh, the Taron Egerton one, the Russell Crowe one. Uh, that these Robin Hood movies, they keep trying to do some different and groundbreaking spin on Robin Hood. I'm like, it's not broken. You don't need to fix it. It's a classic literary story. There's nothing to change about it to make it better. Just stick with what works. Heaven forbid the last good Robin Hood movie was in 1992 with Men in Tights. <laughs> I think the thing that I'm most excited about this, though, is the technology they're, they're going to bring. Because yeah, if it yes, looks like Jungle, Jungle Book, Book was fine with Yeah, that. Jungle Book was cool. Lion King, while was had its shortcomings, it was cool to see the characters, for the most part, come to life. So now we're going to, if they are going to go full, full tilt on this as, as I feel like they need to, we're going to take those two concepts and literally flip them on their head. We're going full Redwall. We're, we're doing it. We're going full Redwall. <laughs> Which I would say, don't go full Lion King, though, because um, one of the big criticisms, myself included, with Lion mm-hmm. King was mm-hmm. you made it so realistic that the reactions just didn't really fit. Yes. So with this, still allow for some over-the-top expressions and animations and movements. Like, mm-hmm. Make them look realer than they actually are, but still show, okay, these are animated characters. Yes. And if it's not too much, have at least one or two cameos from Men in Tights, please. 
<laughs> I think it's going to be a it's a challenge. That I I don't think that they realize they're they're kind of accepting um, because if they do this wrong, it'll look weird and it'll look terrible. Um. Okay. So my brain's thinking because that's always that's always a dangerous thing. You remember Agreed. how in Men in Tights, Patrick Stewart made a cameo at the end as King Richard? Yes. I would love it if at the end of this Robin Hood, they get Kevin Costner to be King Richard. <laughs> I would love that, honestly. Or like or uh, like Russell Crowe to play Robin's dad or something. And Benedict Cumberbatch is the Sheriff of Nottingham. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> and Bill Murray just in, keeps the inside joke going, and he's Little John because he was Baloo. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and again, I keep bringing him up, but Chris Pine for Robin. <laughs> I, I wouldn't fight you on that, honestly. He was actually a really good Spider Man voice. He was. I, I, I honestly think this would be this would be a good spot for him. Yeah, there's um, a lot of people that I'd be down for. Um, I, I'm i actually, I'm just really excited about this one. It's not the top of my Disney wish list for remakes. We'll get into that later. Uh, yeah. But this is one that I really enjoyed as a kid, and I'm not mad at all, actually, that they're remaking it because yeah. it's like Jungle Book to me of, I liked it, but it's not like sacred to me like Lion King or Mulan is to the point of you better not mess this up. I'm like you can change some stuff about this so long as it's still a Robin Hood story. Yeah, absolutely. Which is really, I mean, I would like to keep the narrating uh, rooster that like that to me is, is kind of important, but I'm not going to fight anybody if they don't have it. Yeah. Um, so that's not our only Disney Plus story, as it seems like Bob Iger, who's still more or less kind of in control of Disney for the time being until things stabilize again, uh, talked about the future of film releases, and they might be going more to Disney Plus in the future. It all depends on um, the virus and when movie theaters can open, and unfortunately what theaters will open. Rest in peace, AMC, as you filed for bankruptcy earlier today. Um <laughs> But he talked about that Disney might release future films straight to Disney Plus, um, as they already announced with Artemis Fowl. Um, I see this as both a good and a bad thing because yes. one, it's a good thing because frankly, Disney Plus needs it. It needs more original content, uh, and they're realizing that and they're churning stuff out. But at the same time. You still need theatrically released stuff. And they and they said that they're still going to keep doing that, like Black Widow. Um, they pushed back the release dates for certain things, like Onward is now releasing in November. Not Onward. Um, Soul is now releasing in November. And Raya and the Last Dragon is now coming out in March of next year. So everything got slotted down a little bit. Um, but he seems to want to go in more of the direction of move certain releases to Disney Plus. You think this is like a minimized risk for riskier projects, Artemis Fowl, or do you see them more kind of releasing just their major tentpole movies to theaters and their smaller stuff to Disney Plus? Um yeah, I can see that. I I don't necessarily see it as a bad thing. Financially why jeez. Here, let me get my lips together. Um 
financially, I can see it as being beneficial for Disney in that I know that in order to show things in theaters, there's a certain guild you have to go through. You have to pay certain, certain fees and whatnot, but, um, which could be beneficial for Disney to not do that for, like you said, riskier movies like Art Art of His Foul. Yeah, there's certain movies I can think of off the top of my head that Disney has made that they had no business releasing in theaters, but had they had Disney Plus at the time, would have been perfect for, like McFarlane USA, Mars Needs Moms, Mm -hmm. Home on the Range, Chicken Little. Like, all of those are perfect for Disney Plus, but an embarrassment to theaters. Well, and, but even something like like John Carter, which turned out to, in my opinion, to be a diamond in the rough, releasing that on Disney Plus, and then seeing getting a reception from the audience, being like, "Oh, they do want something like this." Okay, cool. Then we can make another John Carter film and release it in theaters. I hadn't even thought about that. That's a very interesting strategy that I think Disney should look at. That's a great idea, Josh. I mean, sometimes I think about things. <laughs> Broken clock is right twice a day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I hadn't even thought about that of like riskier franchises. Yes, they poured a lot of money into John Carter. And I blame the marketing campaign, just like I blame the marketing campaign of Prince of Persia. They didn't market yes. that movie well, so people didn't know what it was about. But if you release it to Disney Plus and spend half the money that you did, because there's no, as much as I love John Carter, there's no reason it should have cost $200 million to make that movie. Um, yeah. If you make it for 75 to 100 and put it on Disney Plus, you might get that groundswell of support. Um, like, that's how Pacific Rim more or less did it. That got, yeah, basically. That did really, really well once it came to um, home video. Yes. It, it's, it, and it's, it, to me, it's that. Oof, excuse me, just for marked. Um, it's that capitalization of that quote unquote cult movie culture of movies that have come out and have only gotten popular after they were in the theaters. Zombie so, you know, yeah, like companies have law already lost millions and billions of dollars on these films by them not doing well in the theaters. But I mean, yeah, movies like Zombieland, like John Carter, like uh, uh, Treasure movies, Planet, yeah, tre- Treasure Planet, things like that. They, they, that for whatever reason they feel are more, more risky, then they can put them there and be like, all right, okay, cool, we can kind of wipe, wipe our hands of it. And some analyst somewhere is looking at the numbers and go, hey guys, like tre- Treasure Planet's getting some pretty good views. Like maybe we should look into this. That way, when they come back and look at it a few years later, like there's a lot of movies that a lot of fans that say they saw the movie in theaters, um, but didn't. You Iron Giant fanboys, they're like, we saw it in theaters. We would love to see um, a live action remake of that. I'm like, you liars! If you saw it in theaters, you that yeah. movie would have done better. You did not. Um, yeah. Or Treasure Planet. Everyone claims they saw that in theaters. No, you did not. No one did. And but even like with Treasure Planet, with the history of it, Treasure Planet was given to the to the directors because they had been asking to make that movie for so long and Disney was just like shut up and here, make this movie. We promised you you could. We're not going to market it. Threw it under the bus by putting it up yes. against Harry freaking Potter. Yes. Cuz yeah, just, you're going to win a movie 
you're going to win a war against one of the biggest child books of all time versus a sci-fi version of Treasure Island. Yeah, you're going to win that battle, especially when you don't market it or mismarket it. Yes. Because oh. Treasure Planet is a great film and it deserves more than it gets. And we'll, we'll talk, talk about that one I'm, later. <laughs> yes, I already know that we will. Um, but yes, um, I really like your strategy of the riskier projects like Marvel movies. We're not going to get any straight to Disney Plus Marvel movies probably ever. Um, but Kevin Feige smart. They've already talked about this strategy kind of of uh, Miss Marvel will be introduced in her own series on Disney Plus first before she shows up in a Captain Marvel movie. Mm hmm. Characters that need more development before you bring them to the big screen, but don't want to give them their own movie. Exactly. Um, a franchise that's never really cared about character development is the Purge. Um, but it's never needed it either. <laughs> well, I say it never bothers about character development. One of the characters actually had some interesting development in Purge Anarchy, but side tangent there. I still think the second one's the best. Um, yep. One of the movies that has not actually had its release date changed yet is the fifth Purge movie, which is now going to be titled The Forever Purge, which really, really gets gets me thinking and makes me excited. Um, have you seen all of them, Josh, before I talk um, into my I, speculation here? Uh, I, some shape, way, shape, or form, I have seen all of them. Now, I do think I've seen... The second one, the most. Second one's um, the best. That's why. Yeah, but I mean, I th at least that's the one I'm going to remember the most. But all I want to know is, did you see the third one? I did, and I didn't mind it. Yeah, I don't mind it either. I say the third one though because I think it's odd that they did the first three and then they did a prequel with the first Purge, which is weirdly enough the fourth movie that they made. It's super mm -hmm. confusing when you're talking about it. Um. I don't think that movie did as financially well as they were hoping. So I think they're going to shift their attention back to the original timeline. And the forever purge makes me immediately go, oh, are we going to live in that world post purge three when we find out that they got rid of the purge, but people weren't happy that we got rid of the purge? Because I mm -hmm. think that's an open canvas for storytelling right there. Yes, it's that that aftermath of okay. Now you guys aren't allowed to do whatever you want. Sorry. And then, does that actually incite more violence than the purge itself by having the mm -hmm. purge taken away? Correct. Which it, you can have. <laughs> I never ever thought that we'd be sitting here. When you know, when the first purge movie was announced, I never thought we'd be sitting here so many years later talking about how the Purge movies are great commentary on the human condition. Yeah. <laughs> but here we are <laughs> and being kind of excited for the forever, forever Purge, which is going to have a great political and human conversation about what happens when people are no longer allowed to do whatever they want. And the Nostalgia Critic had a great analysis of this because he hated the first one, as I think we did. We thought it was fine, but... He brings up a great point. I completely agree. Of the fascinating thing about the purge is with each passing entry, it kind of retcons itself and improves itself by adding new layers to the story. First one, not that great. But it it wasn't great because and the characters act the way they do because they're really, really 
rich and well-off. So, of course, they think the purge is fine because more often than not, nothing happens to them. The rest of the world, it's completely messed up and killing them. So, like, the first one is, like, a just small pocket of what's happening in a greater world, which is what we Mm -hmm. get in the second and third ones. But it doesn't change anything about that first one. It just more elaborates on the whole concept of the purge of is killing bad? Well, yes, we knew that. So we got away from that in the first one of, wait, people aren't actually killing each other in this one because they realize it's a dumb rule. So there's actual plants here that we're trying to kill people to reduce population with government corruption and everything else. It actually added a lot of interesting layers and they kept doing that. That's why I was a little disappointed with the fourth one, the first purge, because I feel like it kind of took a step back and became a little generic, but I'm excited for, for a world after purge election year of, okay, yes, the world seemed like they wanted the purge to end. Well, the purge ended. Was it a vocal minority that one of the purge ended or a silent majority and the vocal minority is now leading the charge? It's a very, it's so weird that that's the conversation we're having about the purge. Movies produced yes. by Michael Bay of all people get us thinking. Yes. I, I, it's it's very intriguing to me because there's really no other series of any kind ha- like forcing us to have these kinds of conversations in the movie theater. And I don't know if they intended it this way when they first started, but yeah, they encourage a lot of interesting conversations. It did. This feels like, this feels like that situation with George Lucas where he made the first Star Wars and nobody believed in it, but he was like, I want to tell a bigger story, but I've got to tell this story first to get the money to tell the story I want to tell. So, (laughs) so they accidentally made a masterpiece. Yeah. <laughs> now, the purges aren't masterpieces, but in terms of political com- political commentary, they've come a long way since is killing bad. <laughs> it's and it's more of and it is still is killing bad, but it's like in what context? Yes, that was a lot of purge anarchy the second one. That's why I think that one is my favorite one because Frank Grillo and I will support anything any actor that was in Warrior does. Yep. And Frank is great, and I really wish they had done mo- mo- more with his crossbones. Yeah, I mm, still haven't really forgiven them for what they did to him in Civil War. Um, yep. I mean, anything I else you're excited about him. with the Forever Purge? Are you ready to get to our discussion? No, I mean, I mean, I think we. I still think it's hilarious that we're having the the Purge movies are having making us have it have these conversations where like movies like uh, Strangers they don't they don't make us have these conversations. It's just weird that in this era that we talk about horror franchises going downhill, The Purge is consistently one of the ones that I'm actually looking forward to every new entry. Yeah, which is, it's The Purge. Like, I'm actually more excited for a new Purge movie than I am, like, The Conjuring 3, just because I hated the second one, and The Nun. That one's a little bit more spotty to me than The Purge, which I just think is so weird. It is because it's such a basic concept that it's one of those like this is so basic that every co- any company could mess it up. Yeah, but so far they haven't really bungled it too badly. I mean, if, if, like the fourth one is only bad in comparison to its predecessors. Yes, I would agree. It's pretty paint by numbers. 
it's great if you haven't seen the other purges. Yes. Which honestly, I don't think I would mind taking that one, putting it before the first one and watching them in that order. Yeah, it does still kind of mess up the timeline. I mean, a little bit, but that doesn't... Because the first purge, like the one just called The Purge, is supposed to be set in 2023. Okay, so would that be in between two and three? And then in Purge 2, the opening was a flashback scene to the president's parents being killed during the purge, and that was like 10 or 15 years ago. Okay, so it would have to so, be... So yeah, the timeline's all wonky for the purge. Just don't think about it too hard. <laughs> yeah. Um, but let's move on. Josh, you got a sponsor for this, this, us this week before we get into our discussion? Um, Let's do... You know what? In this moment, times, moments of trying times, I don't think... Uh, we've joked about the, the virus a lot. Part you and me, I think it part of it's just to keep us sane. I mean, and I've I've thrown out uh, discussion ideas that are very distasteful, but have some humor to them. Uh, but I think we need to give a shout out, shout out to all our all, all our healthcare workers that are working their butts off right now. Okay, the real MVPs. Jeez, they they really are. And guys, just stay home. Please just stay home. Like, we just need to get out of this. I want to go to the theater again. I want to be able to go to a park and not be scared about being around somebody. Yeah, it's... It. I like that Breakfast Club meme. It's so accurate of just like, but I want to go outside. You just bought yourself another 15 days of quarantine. But another 15 days. Stay inside. When do you get this? <laughs> um, so real quick before we get into the remakes I wanted to throw something against you uh, against the wall with you, to get your opinion that has to do with our discussion it's not on my list mainly because I haven't seen it um, I actually have one that I have not seen but I love the concept so I'll be curious to hear your thoughts too okay so I was I always I've been trying to do more research when it comes to discussions and not just pulling stuff out of my butt which honestly I've you know, the first four or five are very like, yeah, Josh has said this. Yeah, Josh has said this. Yeah. So I've just, I tried to get a, a concept of, you know, I've seen, I have seen quite a few bit, few movies, but what remake ideas are out there that people are having? Um, and this was one of them. And at first I didn't like it because, not because I haven't seen the film, but because it is such a classic. Um, I've seen people recommend or saying that they would be interested in a remake of The Breakfast Club. See, I have not seen The Breakfast Club, but I know that's like sacred ground for a lot of people. Exactly. But at the same time, the the pitch that I saw was it's not necessarily the, the characters that are important. It's the discussions and the, and the meeting of worlds that is happening. And if any, if and with as confusing and as terrifying as this world is that we have right now, a remake on 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 the Breakfast Club, I guess. I mean, I need to see it, which so it's hard to have this conversation about a movie that I haven't seen. That kind of film would interest me, of four characters who are forced into to, into det- detention and are forced to have basically conversations about the human condition. Well, other. we had that already. It was called 2017's Power Rangers. See, yeah, but like Power Rangers were involved. It's like 
And but still, they're trapped in detention and had to work through their problems <laughs> by opening up to each other. Yes, but only because evil was was on the, was on the horizon. Um, and not just not to minimize Power Rangers because it is genuinely one of my favorite films. But I want to be able to. I want a situation in a movie to have those conversations where nothing is is, is at stake except, hey, maybe we should be be good people. <laughs> Fair enough. You open with that. I'll open with my other, with my movie that I have not seen, but I know this got a critical lashing when it came out. But the premise is so interesting and intriguing to me that I really, really want someone to take another stab at it. Do you remember the Justin Timberlake and Amanda Seyfried movie, In Ooh. Time? Yes, I actually really like that film. <laughs> I want an In Time remake. Josh, explain to people what In Time is and the premise of it, because I think the premise is genius. So basically, everyone has a certain amount of time. Like, it's it, you were given a clock on your arm, basically, and once that clock is out, you're done. And, like, you can earn time by working. You can, you know, you time is currency. So it, it come, becomes an issue when... There's people stealing time, stealing other people's time. And then, you know, like when clerical issues happen and somebody has too much time, what do you do with it? And so like that, that's basically like, okay, who's controlling the time? And that bring us this, this conversation. <laughs> yeah, I that's just a good concept. And it did not yes. do well at the box office. And I don't think it got well-received critically, but I'm like, that's such a good concept. I want someone to try that again, please. Well, and I think it only didn't do well because for some reason people saw Justin Timberlake in it and in the trailer and they were like, oh, this is going to be garbage. Well, honestly, if you can track down a copy of it, watch it. It's He does a pretty good job from, from what I remember. It's been a long time since I've seen it, but I enjoyed the film. Yeah, I have my hang-ups about Amanda Seyfried. I, I still to this day don't know what it is, but I don't like her. <laughs> I don't, yeah, that's fine. But uh, that's one I'm just like, that's such a cool premise. Pat yourself on the back if you came up with that idea. Um, yeah. And then go try again. Okay, I'm going <laughs> to get this one out of the way because everyone and their mother knows it's on my list somewhere. Give me Treasure Planet, dang it. And I come out like Angry Atlantis. Thor in the end of Infinity War. Bring me live action Treasure Planet. <laughs> I think the, the two that you and I are going to scream from the mountains are Treasure Planet and, and Atlantis, the Lost World. Yep, those are my top two. <laughs> like, like we, we've we been saying this, and you know what? Maybe if they pull off Robin Hood, just maybe they'll think about it. <laughs> Which, going rewatching them now... I used to debate. I was just like, oh, I love both Atlantis and Treasure Planet. Which one's better? Rewatching them now as an adult, it's very clear that Treasure Planet is far superior. Um, they're both oh, are fine, yes. but Atlantis wasn't necessarily as good as I remember. Um, not bad, just not as like excellent as I remember, but it's one yes. that the potential is there for a live-action movie. Oh, but Treasure Planet? Mm, chef's Bro. kiss. Need that. Please. Yes, please. Oh, my goodness. I if would, nothing else, I want a live-action version of that opening scene with Jim on the hoverboard. Just, oh, my 
good. See, and I think that's the thing is in Atlantis, while not, you know, the top tier. Board. Yeah. It won't. Atlantis is not top tier. The animation for me is what saved it. The animation is so beautiful. The concepts and the characters, I think, were what sold it for me, which there's, I think there's too many characters. There's a lot of supporting characters that could absolutely be cut out of the movie, but it's still so, so good. Yes. Whereas Treasure Planet, yes, it takes, it It, it, it does what people have been trying to do with Robin Hood. It's, it's more personal. The, yeah, it takes this classic story, does something new with it, while not always making sense uh, exactly how the world works. It, you don't really doubt it. Yeah, it, it fulfills the quota of Treasure Island, which that was one of, if not my favorite and most read book ever as a kid. That I wore that book down so much. I love Treasure Planet. So I'm sure that influences my thinking for Treasure Planet. But just the design choices, the art style, the fact that they incorporated so many different animations at the time, like hand-drawn, CGI, matte paintings, and it flowed so seamlessly and it mm-hmm. still looks incredible to this day. Uh, but more than anything, it's just a fantastic story. And, oh, it's just the visuals and the storytelling would be perfect for a remake. Disney, just do it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and Atlantis, I think, I think Atlantis would be elevated if it was brought to a live action. It, it, there's, there's certain, there's certain emotional things that can't come or don't come across as well in in an animation in that specific animation style that you can you can totally do in live action. Yeah, I think the big difference is Treasure Planet is more like a traditional swashbuckling adventure, whereas Atlantis has the potential to be an epic. Exactly, because it's so and you big in get, scope. You couldn't get that feeling with it being animated. Not to say that you know that because there's another movie on, on this list that does successfully do that in an animated form, but I just felt like this the true scope of what was needed couldn't necessarily be captured in animation. Yeah, like imagine a live action version of that Leviathan. Bro, oh thing was terrifying. Yes, it still is. Yeah, uh, what absolutely. else is on your list? Because I'm sure there's plenty others. So because I, I am able to say this now because it got canceled. Uh it's no longer in production, and we just watched it, so it makes me want it. I need a remake of Green Lantern. Like it's ASAP. on my list too. Yeah, like it needs to happen. I can't I can't just sit here and you watch you play around with the Justice League and not include include Green Lantern. And Zack Snyder's in the corner going, well, he was in my version. No one cares, no, Zack. Shut up. Shut up. Go back to <laughs> Venmo or wherever you you come from. <laughs> Quibi. <laughs> oh. Did you see the numbers for Quibi? No, I haven't. It's got 300,000 subscribers. That's real low. Yeah. Whereas Disney's so, going, we just passed 50 million. Yeah. Okay. All right, Quibi. I like. I didn't. Yeah. In a side side discussion, I, I don't understand the point of Quibi. So, because you can put you that know kind who of founded stuff. Quibi? Who? Jeffrey Katzenberger. Why does that name sound familiar? He was the CEO during the Disney Renaissance before him and uh no, he was the head of Disney 
uh, film division during the Disney Renaissance before him and Eisner got in a big old argument and he got fired oh, okay, and got sent why, to DreamWorks. Why. Yeah, 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 yeah. Interesting. I mean, I like the idea of it, but eh. anyway, what you it's got? A what's a version what's a, of Vine? Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> anyway. Green Lantern. <laughs> why do you feel that we need a Green Lantern? There's so much potential, not just with the character of Green Lantern, whether it's Hal Jordan or Jon Stewart. More Jon Stewart, please. Uh, just the idea of the world that could be Green Lantern. I think one of my biggest issues with the Ryan Reynolds' Green Lantern wasn't any of the performances, but but how narrow of a scope that they chose to go with the story of mm -hmm. Green Lantern as a universe and as a lore is so cosmic and grandiose in nature of you've got these larger-than-life stories and characters. For God's sake, you have a Green Lantern that is literally a planet. Yes. You could have that. There's so many storytelling possibilities, but also the idea of constructs of what Green Lanterns can build that was also very limited in the Green Lantern movie of, oh, I made a Hot Wheels track and a jet and a gun and a sword. There's so much more Which, possibilities that Green Lanterns can do and not even just yes. the Green Lanterns, but the other Lantern Corps, like the Yellow, uh, My Boys, the Blue Lantern Corps of Hope. Um, oh, bro, I need Red Lanterns. I need Red Lanterns yesterday, please. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Blue Lanterns are the best. Um, <laughs> Red Lanterns are the Slytherin of Green Lantern, and Blue Lanterns are the Hufflepuff <laughs> of Green Lantern. <laughs> Which is okay, but to me, like the fear core is cool and all. That's fine. You want everybody to be afraid, okay? Whereas you have the Red Lantern of Rage, which literally just wants to consume everything and destroy everything. Like, okay, if you want to get weird, have the one and only Orange Lantern because he killed all the other lanterns because orange is the color of greed, and so he was so greedy for their other lanterns that he killed them all. So he's the only one left. Yes, the, like and just that, the Green Lantern Corps as a whole. So it could. That's, somebody suggested, and I don't want to go that far, but it's not that far off. Of the storytelling possibilities of Green Lantern could rival Star Wars because it's a blank canvas of what you can do. Of mm -hmm. yes, Green Lantern only had one main character. That's not very normal for a Green Lantern story. Normally, they're very large and cosmic in scope. Of there is no limit. You want to have them fight in the middle of space out somewhere that we've never even heard of? Make up a planet. You can do that. Yes. See, for me, I think Green Lantern, to me, has the ability to be the Avengers movies. You get So you can bring... You, okay, fine. You know what? Let's just stay on Earth. Let's do that. That's fine. I don't care. I mean, you're short and you're short tailing yourself on story possibilities, but fine. Okay. So then you build so that all of a sudden you need all seven, <laughs> all seven of the earth green lanterns <laughs> to it's, it doesn't, I don't, I've never understood why that has happened because you technically only need one lantern per sector and it just doesn't, yeah, it, all the sectors are the same space, but whatever. To the point where you build where you need 
all seven Green Lanterns from Earth to come together. Like it, you there's like you said, there's so many story possibilities. Jeez, dude, could you imagine seeing the death um, or the uh, reveal of Kyle coming home and seeing his his girlfriend slash wife in the fridge? That'll never happen because even the comics try and forget that happens because they realize they went too far. Yes, I agree. But <laughs> see, but I, the, you talk about that moment. I always. Yes, the Blackest Night is the one that we've always talked about, but I forget what storyline it is, but there's something about Hal is afraid of fighting something. Maybe it's Parallax. And so it's either like his brother-in-law or his actual brother puts a green light in the window to say for Coast City, this house is not afraid. And so Hal sees the entire city, puts a green light in their window to say, we're behind you. You can't be afraid because we're not afraid. Yes, there, there's a moment in re, in the Rebirth arc with Hal um, going into Rebirth. He his ring breaks or he loses it or something happens and he's trapped on a planet. So li- li- literally from his own will forges his own ring in the middle of the galaxy. Like there's so many great storytelling aspects that you could do with Green Lantern. It's literally I, limitless I, and it's frustrating that they went so narrow with it. Yes. Because absolutely, it would be like, to put it in perspective, it would be like a Star Wars movie, except they're just going to focus on a bartender on Bespin of what his perspective was during Empire Strikes Back. Yes. Now, of like, okay. you might get some of the important details, but you're not getting the yeah. whole picture of the whole greater universe out there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the the Green Lantern Corps is the is that's your door to to bring in, you know, all these other interdimensional threats. Mr. Mixelpidelic. Let's go, boy. Um so let's talk about let's keep on this this train of of movies that were frustrating because they narrowed the scope so much and got lots of stuff wrong so i understand that there's a rumor for the second one to come out but i need a remake of avatar the last airbender because it did not do justice at all we're not getting a movie we're getting a netflix series i don't care but yes you're right they messed up so much they did like so much i don't care that right down to name pronunciations it's like, bro, I don't care that your Aang goes karate. He can't act. Get out of here. It, oh. it was just bad. And you have you have an Indian director who's making the most, the all-powerful firebenders all Indian. Get out of here. That's not how that works. You can't yeah, do that. You can't switch whole... races. Oh. Let's forget about the racially diverse cast in the animated show that clearly showed that they're from different parts of the world. No, let's make everyone more or less kind of the same. Oh, I'm so... And the good guys, white people. I struggled to even bring up Avatar because it frustrated me so much. Like, I know if you go on the YouTube page, you will see that there is a five good things about Avatar The Last Ember. And we actually almost did it this month. But I switched it out at the last minute because, I don't know, I didn't feel like hating myself that much. Yes. However, there are five good things about it. There are a few things they got right, but they're not enough. They're nothing or nothing is story related. Nothing is acting related. (laughs) Like The things that actually matter. Yeah, it's 
that is one of the most frustrating movies. And it's, I don't know if they'll ever take a chance on that movie again, but no. I think a Netflix series is the right way to go. I agree. So a lot of my list is going to make me sound like an old man. So like a lot of the, I tried not to get anything that has been recently rebooted. So King Arthur and Robin Hood, as much as I wanted them to be on my list are not because they're too yep. new. So even by um, the rest of remake standards, this is the most recent property that I want remade. And that's the final destination movies. Really? I know we're supposedly getting a remake. I think that could really, really work nowadays. Um, There's a lot more you can do with it, yeah. Uh, especially because I really, really like the first one, and I kind of want them to remake them more in the style of the first one because the first one is not like the rest of them. Gee, it's like the rest of every horror franchise ever. Um, yeah. That first one was so clever and different. But it didn't rely on those, well, what's going to be the ridiculously over-the-top death that's going to happen next? No, it was this suspense, it was this suspense, really, of like, is death coming for them? And if so, are they going to be aware of it? Like, um, I loved the water slowly trickling down next to the bathtub in the first one. And you think, is he going to get, like, electrocuted or something? And then he ends up getting hung with the um, shower line. Uh, mm -hmm. But it's just this sense of paranoia because for the most most of the movie, at least for that first one, there's that hint of doubt of, well, maybe the kid did actually kill all of his friends. At least that's how it looks to the police officers. Uh, and they really play up this mystery element. Um, and I, I like that a lot. I like all the Final Destination movies for being just cheesy, dumb fun. Mm -hmm. But it's something that I would like to take another look at. And I think... It's one of those, like, Robin Hood that we talked about earlier with, I like them, but I don't cling to them so much so that I don't think they can't be approved upon. Because those people would be like, we don't need a Final Destination remake. They are good as is. There's no room for improvement at all with Final Destination. Like, at all. <laughs> no, not They're at cinematic all. Cinematic masterpieces. Yeah, 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 they are. <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, let's talk about something else that I enjoy. I don't know if you enjoyed it as a kid, um, but I definitely did. I think if we're as long as we're doing the live action remakes, um, can we have Anastasia? That's not I where I thought it. you were going with that, but okay. Yeah, I, I would love Anastasia. <laughs> I've said it once and I'll say it a million times. This is not a Disney movie, people. No, it's not. Stop saying it's a Disney movie. But regardless, there's all these dumb people <laughs> that are just like, Where, why don't we talk about Anastasia as one of the best Disney princesses? Um, because she's not? Because <laughs> you're a moron and she's a Warner Brothers character? <laughs> but the thing is, too, though, because of how the animation is and the, and the way that the, the story flows, it feels like a dark Disney movie. Yes, because everyone was copying Disney's animation style at that time. Quest for Camelot. Oh, don't you dare talk crap about Quest for Camelot. It has not aged well. It has not, but that doesn't mean I love it any less. The main character is literally just Belle. And listen, all right? I'm going to need you to, I just, I need you to listen for a second, okay? I quote the movie all the time, so I'm going to need you to ease up. <laughs> Why? Because you're the two-headed dragon? 
<laughs> the quote I use all the time is from the two-headed dragon because they're like, one of them's like, well, I didn't come here to be instead. And the other head goes, well, where, where do you normally go? <laughs> it has a blind carry Elwis. And he's okay. <laughs> I think that's most of Carrie Elwes' career. <laughs> yes. But regardless, a live action uh, Anastasia would be a lot of fun. Um, it's It could be a dive into Russian culture that we have not done in a long time. Uh, I mean, you know, it, I also just kind of want to see a live action version of that bat. <laughs> I don't know why. But my first thought is, you should get Christoph Waltz to be the villain. Yes! So, I am curious, though, where did, you think I was gonna, where did you think I was going with that? I thought you were going to go with Ninja Turtles. No, I mean, I... That's another one that we just got recently, but please, can we reboot this, please, and do it right this time? I see in there that the, my issue with those films has nothing to do with the turtles because the turtles are actually my favorite things about those. Yeah, the films. turtles are good minus their designs. I think they over designed yes. them, but the turtles themselves were good. The, the, yeah, exactly. Because I remember but, getting in this argument with somebody and eventually they're like, I kind of see that. I was just like, we don't need to have Donatello literally wearing a tablet to know that he's the smart one. That's just yes. lazy character work. Well, and like even like seeing how he do, how how they did him in uh, Batman versus the TMNT, the the animated film, like you know he's the smart one and he doesn't have all this tech on. Yeah, you know they over accessorized them. Like they yes. wanted to make toys out of them, but I'm like, there's nothing wrong with the original design. Just stick yes. with the '90s version, which celebrates 30 years. Yes. Oh boy. Or, yes. Or give us the 2000s version. Yeah, the 2007 one. That was That was the one where they go, uh, what, what the shell? And my dad heard it and was like, I know what they're covering for. You're not allowed to watch this. So I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. I'm pretty sure every Turtles movie says that. I know. That's what I was like, dang it, he caught me. And he didn't see the one where the turtle gives a kid CPR? Correct. Good for him. No one should see that one. <laughs> Because <laughs> as we all know, there? the turtles invented pizza in feudal Japan. Wait, they didn't. What's your next one? <laughs> um, I think it's no secret of my love of the Disney's um, Hunchback of Notre Dame. Actually, I did not know that. Really, I have oh, a couple dude. people that are big Hunchback fans, but I didn't know you were one of them. To me, um, especially the sanctuary scene where he lifts uh, as uh, lifts her over his head and just like screaming sanctuary. That whole scene is from him swinging across the crowd to to when he get him getting all the way up there. Like the themes in this in this movie are super mature. To the, I mean, you have <laughs> the the main antagonist talking about how he's gonna basically rape the main female uh, protagonist. Yeah, that's like, what I'm like. I don't see. I could see someone remaking it, but not Disney because Hunchback didn't do well. That and Hercules didn't do very well for them because I think it pushed the envelope too much, especially Frollo. Yes, all I, of Hellfire. 
But see, like, I don't see that as a bad thing is I, I would like to see, and again, maybe you're right. Maybe somebody else needs to remake these and not Disney because I feel like Notre Dame needs to be like the true story of not Notre Dame need to be told where, where, you know, the hunchback is, he is kind of lovable, but he makes mistakes at the end that really cost him everything that he loves. So, um, interesting thing is you can actually segue me perfectly into my next one that I want to do. So hunchback of Notre Dame is a French novel written by Victor Hugo, the same guy that did Les Mis. I have another famous French author. I think he's French. His name sounds French enough that I would love another uh, remake of Gaston Littero's famous Phantom of the Opera. Yes. You mean without Gerard Butler? Uh, to Gerard Butler's credit, at least he himself can make fun of his singing. Like I've seen him in <laughs> interviews and stuff and he's just like uh, those like wired autocomplete interviews and he's like, can Gerard Butler sing? He's like, well, if you've seen Phantom of the Opera, no. <laughs> uh, I want Phantom of the Opera with just a straight horror edge because that's a creepy story if you do it right. That old school gothic grandiose nature to it of like, yes, everything looks fine on the surface, but then everything under the catacombs is not quite what it seems. And the Phantom himself is a really creepy character. I like the story of Phantom of the Opera. It scared the crap out of me as a kid when I read it. Um, but yeah, I I know it's like this big musical. I don't know if I would make it a musical. It can be done that it doesn't have to be a musical. I would go with the more of the horror edge to it. Because, I mean, I don't know why you wouldn't at this point. It, that's what, it's, it's an avenue that we haven't really gone to. Everything exactly. else in Phantom of the Opera, we've tried a thousand times. Let's try something different. Yeah. What else you got, bro? I got I, a I lot like of, I, like, old school ones. This is the one that I'm actually genuinely shocked that Hollywood has not tried it in decades. Um, like, at all. Because it's such a f- iconic name, and I'm surprised no one at all has touched 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Oh, dude, yeah. Like, I honestly can't remember the last one that came out with that. Maybe it's the one that's on Disney Plus from that classic Disney movie, but um, there's a handful of old books that I read as a kid, and I'll talk about one later, uh, but 20,000 Leagues was up there. I love the adventures of Captain Nemo and everyone else on uh, the Nautilus. I would love a new 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, and it just feels like we have not got one of those in decades, and I don't get why, because there's so much possibility there. Yeah, I mean, uh, did you ever see The Orb? Did I see what? The Orb with uh, Samuel L. Jackson. I did not. That doesn't even sound familiar. Okay, look it up, or I'll I'll find it and I'll send it to you. They kind of touch on some of the 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea stuff. I mean, it, it's a lot different, but still. Uh, but yeah, I, I would agree. There Or even like uh, Space Odyssey. Things like that haven't been touched in forever. And while they should be considered classics, you know, they definitely deserve to be. I don't see why we couldn't redo those. And especially with today's technology, could you imagine how amazing that would look? Yes, especially the 
big Leviathan slash Kraken fight at the end. Yes. I think that'd be fantastic. Um, yeah. But it's not the top of my literary list, though. There's a, not just book, but book series that, yes, Hollywood, the most recent version, I think, was 2010 or 2011, and we haven't gotten one since. But it's frustrating to me that we have not gotten a really good version of The Three Musketeers in years. Yeah. I mean, I didn't I didn't mind the most recent... I mean, they can say most recent Disney one, but it wasn't recent That wasn't Disney. Wait, was it? There was a Logan Lerman one with Luke yes. Evans. Yeah. That one was awful. No, the one with Chris O'Donnell, I love that one, but that's from the 90s. Oh, oh wow. Okay. Yeah, the, we need no yeah, more... Chris O'Donnell is not a young man anymore, dude. No way, really? <laughs> I really like that version, but also it's very true to the Three Musketeers story. So I think the last good Musketeers movie that I saw was The Musketeer, and I think that was 2005 or 2006 maybe. Uh, yeah, but more importantly, I want one that we don't talk about as much because Three Musketeers is like, yes, the famous one. We don't see or hear nearly as much about its sequel the Man in the Iron Mask. Yes! That's a movie that just sets itself up for a sequel. Do a good Three Musketeers, and then, a few years later, do the follow-up that's set many years later with The Man in the Iron Mask. I love that story, and I feel like it doesn't get as much recognition with the class with the rest of classic literature. I really enjoy the one with uh, Jeremy Irons and Leonardo DiCaprio, I really like the story of that Man in the Iron Mask, primarily just because it's a good continuation of the Three Musketeers story, and I want a new version of that. So, um, I only know this because I happened to find a clip of it. There's a movie out there that does deal with um, the the Man in the Iron Mask line, um, but it stars Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jackie Chan. Oh, no. I mean, not as the man in the Iron Mask, but they are in the movie. Oh, no. That sounds awful. I think I know which one you're talking about, too. Yeah. (laughs) But the thing is, with the Three Musketeers, there's so much material. Like, it never really scratches the surface of how much Alexander Dumas wrote in those stories. There's so much ground you could cover. The Three Musketeers, in and of itself, could be a series that ends with the man in the Iron Mask. Yeah. Like it could be a full on trilogy of adventures, but I don't know why we don't get that. Yeah. uh, I mean, I can kind of see it, but I don't know. Yeah. I know it's a little old school, but still, I have some other old school ones, but I got two more. But what else you got, Josh? (laughs) I got a little dude. I'm actually pretty proud of my list. Um, so I know this movie killed a, one of our favorite people's conversations. Um, the convers- one of our killed one of our favorite uh, actors' careers, rather. Sorry, uh, but I would love a remake of League of Extraordinary Gen- Gentlemen. I was actually thinking about putting it on this list. Yes, I mean the concept is really as someone who lo- like grew up with books and was I found it very interesting. The, the whole concept and really to me the movie isn't all that bad either yes it has its flaws yes it's not perfect 
I mean, I saw that movie as a kid and I thought it was awesome. Yeah, I doesn't really hold up, but I think the idea of it really does. I know it's based off a graphic novel and I'm actually surprised in this age of every comic book character is getting its own movie, why we haven't gotten it since. Um, but I like the idea of all these famous literary characters working together. Yeah, I... Mm. it's well and even some of the really like smart um like reveals of of who who like the young kid is i really like oh it's his his last name sawyer oh that makes sense oh look at that you know like simple things like that i really appreciated hmm yeah i think the potential was there it was just really really mishandled yes i mean it made connery not want to act anymore i mean yeah which is really unfortunate so um, i was still kind of holding out hope that he would show up at the end of an expendables movie to say that he trained them all i see and i don't see why that's not gonna happen (laughs) outside of the fact that i don't know if expendables expendables movies will ever happen again yeah, I think we're getting a fourth one, but I'm not sure. Get Jackie Chan this time, cowards! <laughs> if we don't get a Jackie Chan Jet Li team up, I don't, I don't, I don't care for these films. The Forbidden Kingdom? No, 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 no. We don't speak in that movie. No, 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 no. There's yeah. too much. There's too much wire work in that movie for me to like it. I'm sorry. I don't blame you. Um, I also have Daredevil on this on this list. Okay, yeah, that doesn't surprise me. But yeah, I would I would want to give Daredevil another fair shake. I mean, I think because of his popularity, popularity. Ooh, geez. Apparently, I can't talk today. I'm sorry. Because of his popularity that's been grown from the team, from the Netflix show, I think now would be the best chance to bring him into film. Now, do I think the one from from the show is is my Daredevil? No, absolutely not. No, I hate um, that costume so much. Yes, and I, I, while I love the show, I, that's not to me like you. I, I he's not throwing, you know, the sticks around. He's not doing. There's a lot of stuff he's not doing that I feel is like quintessential Daredevil that makes him different than just say Batman, who happens to, happens to be blind. Um, the thing is with Daredevil, there's a lot of interesting things on paper. I believe it or not. The topic of Daredevil has that 2003 Daredevil has come up a lot in my mind recently because I've got a big um, video that I'm still working on the script for of basically a new version of how I would do a Nightwing movie. And not gonna lie, for better or for worse, there's a couple story beats from the Daredevil movie that I'm taking, but it's because I think they still work, not because I'm trying to rip off a terrible comic book movie but i think on paper they still really really work yes i i I think there's a lot of story again i mean do i think going straight into the into the defenders if you get a daredevil movie is a smart idea absolutely not i don't think that the defenders is that great of an idea however um, I wouldn't mind having a Daredevil remake. I, I think there's potential in that character to team up with with um, 
Spider-Man down the road. I feel that that like that would be a lot of fun. I don't know. I, I in this day and age, I think Marvel should go back and look at these kinds of things. I don't know if we'll ever get it, but you know a teammate team up that I would not mind? Shang-Chi and Iron Fist. Yes. Authentic like, Iron Fist this time. Like that makes so much sense, dude. Like what in the world? And then give Shang-Chi and not Shang-Chi, give Iron Fist his actual costume. Yes, please. Don't be afraid to do it. Abysmal. Like, it's just come on, just don't, don't, don't wimp out on the costumes, guys. Like, these are what makes the character unique. Makes it different from somebody who's just a martial artist and decides to become a vigilante. It, that's what ups the ante. Yep. What else you got? Um, this might be coming a little bit of out of left field, and I know there's a lot of love attached to this film. Um, but I would love to have a Lost Boys remake. Really? Yes. I think there's stuff that, while really cool for the movie uh, when it came out, it does not age well. Um, no. But I would love to see the, what that kind of story would look like in a modern time. Fair enough. Bring Kiefer Sutherland back somehow. Dude, I'm not against it. <laughs> of course not. I love me some Sutherland, even though, even if he is kind of a crazy person. Kind of. Not, he hasn't gone full Randy Quaid, though. He hasn't, uh, hasn't gone full Mel Gibson either, so. Yeah, don't go Randy Quaid or Mel Gibson. <laughs> How many more no, you got? I have one. I have two more. Oh, sweet. Yeah, you do your two, and then I'll do my two. All right, so the first one, I want to start off by asking you how you feel about the movie Hancock. Fine. I think it's fine. Um, I know everyone's clamoring for a sequel. I don't think it did financially well enough to get a sequel. Mm -hmm. I don't want a sequel. I want a full-blown remake. I'd be okay with that. I think especially in the comic book world, movie world that we live in now, a story about a superhero who is, by all intents and purposes, pretty awesome, him dealing with something as serious as addiction would, I think, A, would stand out, especially in today's scheme, B, it would give you an opportunity to tell an actual like really deep story about addiction and how that affects uh, like even somebody as incredible as a superhero and maybe take out the whole weird plot point of <laughs> he has to be far away from his other his his, uh, his other half like get out of here just just make just make a movie please See, if I would reboot Hancock, I would more or less kind of do Hancock except with Amazon's The Boys spin to it. Yes. Yes, Make Hancock R. Yes. Make it R. Go full blown. You want to do this? Let's do this, okay? Like, you know, maybe he accidentally kills a dog and then have him through his – show it through his addictions, show how he, he can't process the mistakes he makes. Yeah, like he saves a city, but killed a lot of people by accident. Exactly. Like, because Marvel's not dealing with that. 
no character. I mean, you can say that people are dealing with that in Civil War, but not really. They forgot about it after about 15 minutes. Exactly. Like nobody for a full movie is having a very specific character talk about what would happen if a, if a superhero legitimately emotionally couldn't handle his mistakes. Yeah, I think that's a really heavy topic that I would love to see explored. Exactly. Because Hancock that, would work. Exactly. I mean, I don't think I would bring Will back, which could be the more controversial part of it, but I, I, it's one I of those that I don't think, I think people will be mad for a little bit, but it, it's not like Hancock has millions of diehard fans. Yeah, exactly. Cause we yeah. all know Hitch is better anyway. No, oh, geez. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, now, my final one was something that came to me out of the blue earlier this week because I had realized I hadn't watched the final season of it. Um, back in the day, Samurai Jack had had uh, three seasons. Now there's, and, what, five? Uh, yes. They brought it back for the final season because it got canceled and to kind of finish out the arc. And let me tell you, that final fifth season, it's so hard. Not on a like, oh, this is the final season. We have to say goodbye to our characters. Like, no, like, I think in the first couple episodes, Jack is legitimately like almost bleeding out. And he's having to fight like six or seven of Aku's assassins. Like, he is not doing okay. And he's like, at one point, he he's in the middle of a battle with an assassin and he starts having like Mad Max PTSD of like all the people that he hasn't saved because he can't seem to kill a coup. Um, it's like that whole seriousness of Jack of Samurai Jack made me really, really want a live action movie. So what you're saying is you want Keanu as Jack. No, actually, I, I really don't want him. As Ke- I really don't want that. Oh, so you're saying you saw 47 Ronin then? Yes, I did. <laughs> I'm not proud of it. <laughs> yeah, me neither. It was one I was excited for, and I hunted it down on Redbox, and I think it's, I forgot about it as soon as the movie was done. I forgot about it halfway in. So, um, But I feel like Samurai, I, I don't think we've really done a well-told samurai story that doesn't include a white person. Yeah. Who would you get as Samurai Jack then? I'm probably a no-name. Ludi Lin. Who? Ludi Lin, Power Ranger. Okay, I mean, he's a little on the young side in my mind. Um, But I can see it. I can see it. If he was a little younger, um, Jet Li, not Jet Li, um, oh, crap, I'm blanking on his face. Yeah, Jet Li. Yeah? I, see, I I do still see, while I don't want Keanu, I do kind of still have this image of Jack being a kind of a taller dude. Um, Jack Black. Jesus. Samurai Jack Black. 
<laughs> get out of here. That, that <laughs> it's like it's like and Beverly Aku is the devil from Tenacious D. <laughs> it's like Beverly Hills Ninja, but Jack Black. <laughs> Tommy was so a Samurai Jack. Oh jeez, I I just Aku, again, I, don't... <laughs> I kill you now. <laughs> Stop. All right, boss. Finish us out with what you with what you got. I got two really, really old school horror franchises. One that seemingly gets rebooted a lot, unfortunately. But I'm going to tell you how I would reboot it correctly this time. And I know some people think Brendan Fraser's The Mummy is the be-all, end-all, the definitive version of The Mummy. We can make it better. And I know I said I wasn't going to do anything that's relatively recent. But um, Tom Cruise never made a Mummy movie, right? Um that got stuck in development hell and was never released to the general audiences who tore their eyes out seeing that movie. I mean, yeah. (laughs) Okay. The mummy, not going to lie. I kind of hate the original. It's so boring, but the potential for the mummy is there. Yes. I love the 1999 Brendan Fraser one, but here's kind of what I would want for a mummy movie Still kind of the same concept with the Brendan Fraser one of a whole bunch of explorers, some of them looking for gold, some of them just looking for discovery, and they find this big pyramid and they go inside to explore. Then the door slams behind them and they're stuck in this pyramid. And there's only one mummy, but he's slowly picking them off one by one. It's alien except in a pyramid and instead of a xenomorph, it's a mummy. Okay, I'd be down with that. That way... There's that running joke of mummies are super slow. Well, you got nowhere to run, so eventually he can catch up to you. It doesn't matter how fast you run. So if we make it so they can't run and everyone's confined to the same space and we don't have to worry about the world ending, I think that's more terrifying and claustrophobic. I could see that, yeah. I would be really down for that. That's, that, That's a mummy movie that I think is much more interesting. However... Of all the classic Universal properties, the one that I want rebooted more than anything, just because you really, really missed the mark originally, but that has so much potential, is one that I tried to keep it together and not show my hand when he said earlier that you don't want to see it remade, but I want a Van Helsing remake. (laughs) I mean, okay, hold on. I, I do want it, just not now. Oh, no, absolutely not. It has to be a buildup. But I love the concept of Van Helsing, of it's the Sherlock to Dracula's Moriarty. So um, for those listening and for Josh, spoiler alert for the Dracula BBC series that dropped last year, which is phenomenal, and check it out if you haven't already. Um The first episode I thought was getting a bit aimless because I didn't know what the direction of the show was going to be. And then um, this nun character that we've been following around for a while, uh, this woman lives with the rest of her sisters in this big castle and they seemingly have Dracula at bay because you have to invite Dracula in and everything else. So she seems like she's one step ahead of him. Um... So I'm like, I really like this character. That's pretty cool. And she starts to walk away from Dracula. And he's just like, don't you walk away from me. I know who you are, Agatha Van Helsing. To which I just immediately sat up real quick because that 
spelled out where the show was clearly going for. And also you got me invested in a character before you revealed who they were. And it didn't change anything, MJ twist in Homecoming. Um, and it was like a, okay, yes, I already like this character. I like the fact that this is our Van Helsing because she's already outsmarting Dracula. I love the character of what Van Helsing represents of, yes, you can have the monsters, the monster mash, all these characters, but you have that one character that can take them all down. And it's not Hugh Jackman because I don't know what that travesty was. I would love a horror-based Van Helsing. And one monster per movie, please. Well, you don't want to deal with all of them all at once? No, I would think it would be much cooler if each movie is taking their time to, okay, this movie, it's, he has to capture but not kill Frankenstein. And then that's when we find out the doctor's an evil one, not the monster. Uh, and then maybe he has to fight the wolfman. And then we get to Dracula, one-on-one. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, no, that, uh, the, see, that sort of thing... I'm down for. I just, I, I, my point earlier in the in the show was to, I feel like you need to build the world around first before you're like, okay, cool, so evil stuff, and here's Van Helsing. Go. Oh yeah, I completely agree. Uh, Van Helsing is a character you kind of have to build towards, but at least for me, for horror movies, a horror movie to me most of the time, is only as good as their protagonist. That's why I love Halloween so much, because Laurie is really, really good. The best Friday the 13th movies are because Tommy Jarvis is awesome. Oculus, Karen Gillan's character, is one of the smartest protagonists in any horror movie ever. Um, and Van Helsing is like the OG horror movie hero of been in multiple movies, up against the main villain, can stop them. I would love a modern, non-Hugh Jackman version of that. And on paper, Hugh Jackman was the right choice, but making it a Resident Evil spinoff doesn't help. No, not at all. Especially if you're doing a, a spinoff of a show of a movies while that have a cult following or not that good. Yeah. So, like Treasure Planet, obviously that's still my number one. But Van Helsing, in terms of classic Universal monsters, oh, I want that, please. And I, I'm willing to wait. I'm willing to wait. I just want more Universal Monsters brought to the 21st century. It, preferably closer to how they were originally uh, looking at you, Invisible Man. But if some changes need to be made to, broad, to bring in more horror fans, I'm willing to make that compromise. As long as it's just still good material, I'm fine with it. Um, yeah. Any last minute thoughts before we bring this home? Not really. I, I, I think the big thing that we're discussing here is remakes are never really off the table. And then there are, there are situations where remakes are a good idea. Karate Kid. And they bring some, they bring something fresh to the table. Yep. Um, every once in a while, and maybe we'll do good remakes, uh, video someday. Every once in a while, you can come up with fresh ideas with a remake. Oceans 11, Karate Kid, Dread. You can have good ideas. It's just a matter of how you execute them. I think the stigma of remake is fair sometimes. Other times, some things 
we should take a second look at. Well, what do you guys think? What are some remakes that you would like to see either live action or animated form? Let us know in the comments below. We always like hearing from you guys. And as always, if you like what you hear and you want to hear more, subscribe to us on whatever audio platform you're listening to us on, whether that's iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or YouTube. And if you haven't already, subscribe to us on YouTube at Uncharted Media. And as always, stay sharp, movie guys and gals.